The people who take care of Michigan's youngest children are facing a daunting deadline. On September 30th, pandemic relief funds for child care will run out. I have teachers and employees who want to work, but I can't give them babysit wages. I need to give them livable wages. Many Michigan child care centers are sounding the alarm about what the end of this federal support is going to mean for their businesses and for the families that they serve. This is Stateside. I'm April Bear. Detroit Free Press reporter Jennifer Brooklyn has been covering this looming fiscal crisis. And she says that pandemic relief funding has been key in keeping child care centers afloat for the past three and a half years. So there was $39 billion through the American Rescue Plan that was available nationally. And that came to states. And Michigan used that money to provide grants to child care centers and bonuses. Um, and all that allowed owners to pay their staff, even as the money coming in was kind of taking a dive. Another really important thing that Michigan used that money for was to increase the rate that they were paying per child per hour for um, our child care subsidy program. So kids who um, part of their tuition is paid by the state um, because their family is not able to pay what tuition would normally require, those rates were bumped up significantly for some centers, um, depending on their, their rating. So needless to say, we're talking about a couple of different kinds of providers and a couple of different types of revenue models. But is there any way to explain sort of how much, you know, how much money that might have meant in terms of a center or maybe what that meant in terms of the wages that were paid? You're right. It did depend on the center, what kind of rating they had, what kind of, you know, whether they had different programs running in their facility, um, kind of the mix of kids. But like for a center, it might have gone from $4 or $4.19 an hour up towards around $9 an hour per kid. That makes a really big difference. Um, and some of the wages, um, you know, these employees, the child, care provi- the child care providers are being paid really low wages in general. So some of them saw their pay bumping up from around minimum wage um, all the way up to, you know, $19 an hour in some cases, depending on their education and how long they'd been there. I know some staff were starting to make upwards of 20 even $25 an hour. That's a huge difference compared to the average, which I think is somewhere around 11 I mean, people in childcare know that they do it for the love of the job and the kids, and they could probably make the same mopping the floor at a fast food restaurant. How would you explain the importance of of that money, both for for caregivers and for the the people who ran these businesses, these child care centers in a good year are operating at about a one percent profit margin, mm. <laughs> uh, and a lot of them don't even make that. So this money, when you know the pandemic hit and money was drying up, kids were leaving, staff was not able to do their jobs because their kids' schools were closed. A lot of the folks that I've spoken with said this was the only reason they were able to stay afloat, this relief money. I mean, 201, every child care provider and owner I spoke with said, thank you so much for this money. But they have been dreading it getting pulled away from the moment they got it in the first place. They knew it was coming and they knew they'd be right back to square one and worse because of the pandemic costing so many jobs. So, Jennifer, why is this money going away now? Well, it was it was always meant to be a Band-Aid um, when the pandemic struck and schools closed and we were all you know tossed into that whirlwind of uncertainty and 
suddenly people seem to realize, lawmakers seem to realize that childcare was essential, which of course many people already knew, <laughs> but lawmakers sort of said, oh, in order to get America back to work, we have to fund these childcare centers. But it was always meant to be a stopgap measure. Now, advocates in this space um, have been really closely watching the Build Back Better plan, which initially had included money that was really going to fundamentally change the way that these child care centers were funded and operated. But unfortunately, that legislation, when it ultimately passed in the form it did, did not include the child care and early education money. So some of the folks I spoke with kind of felt like that was a bridge that ended up going to nowhere. There are many different kinds of daycares. There are small operations that people conduct out of their homes. There are schools that maybe serve, you know, a, a neighborhood, a, you know, sort of a preschool kind of environment that also cares for toddlers and infants. And then there are programs that are attached to institutions. What kind of child care providers will be hit the hardest by the funding drop off? Child care providers that take a higher percentage of kids who receive that subsidy money are going to be really hard hit because the rates that the state is reimbursing for the care of those children is going to drop back down. And at those lower rates, those centers are not going to be able to find the help that they need, the staffing that they need to continue serving the rest of their children. I think most of the advocates who are looking at child care agree that they need it needs to be treated more like a public good, more like K through 12 education and have the funding that comes with it that is not based solely on the market and the consumer's ability to pay because parents cannot pay um, more than they're paying right now. In your reporting, are you aware of any centers that are going to close as a result of the funding drying up? Or is it more about spots disappearing from programs? It's a mix. Um, there are spots disappearing. There are maybe classrooms that might close. I think a really big concern is just their ability to hire and to maintain staff. It might not be a funding cliff so much as a, a rather rocky path downward, um, as especially maybe if a staff member is going to retire, they just know they won't be able to recruit anyone new. So I think we'll have to see. Indeed. The pandemic relief funds were, were federal money. Are lawmakers in Lansing talking about any additional funding that could go into child care or even even proposing different kinds of revenue streams that they might be able to bend into this purpose? Yeah, Michigan is, is definitely focused on this and Governor Whitmer has been focused on this as well. I mean, they're trying to increase the number of child care centers that are available, provide funding for education for people who want to go into early childhood education. Um, so it's definitely something that we're going to have to keep an eye on, especially as um, the pre-K for all kind of starts getting rolled out. Right. Can you uh, maybe explain quickly how that's expected to affect the, the I guess, the market within child care? Because it's it, it's not the same industry, but there is there is some overlap, as I understand it. Well, child care providers that I've spoken with are very worried um, that they're going to lose their livelihoods when four-year-olds start getting a free spot. Um, infant care is really expensive to provide and the ratios are really small. They kind of make their money back on providing care for the toddler set and above those, you know, those three, four, five-year-olds maybe. Um, so yeah, a lot of these centers are thinking maybe this is great for those particular families that are going to benefit, but what about us? As every employer found out the hard way during the pandemic, when families can't get childcare, that really curtails who is able to work in this economy? 
Do we know anything about the predicted ripple consequences of uh, a drastic drop-off in the number of spaces? Well, this definitely hits women harder. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but certainly women are more likely to leave the workforce or cut back on their hours when childcare becomes a problem. The Century Foundation did estimate that Michigan is is set to lose millions of dollars in income tax and wage and productivity loss because they are expecting that more than 4,000 childcare workers could lose their jobs in addition to 56,000 children in Michigan that could lose their care. And let's not forget that it's often women and low-income workers that are the childcare workers that are now facing potentially losing their jobs. We need to take a break. When we come back, we talk with owners of childcare centers about what the cuts are going to mean in their businesses. We'll be right back. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. As we heard from Jennifer Brookland a minute ago, child care centers that provide state-subsidized spots for low-income families will be taking the biggest hit to their budgets when federal funding runs out at the end of this month. But across the state, every child care provider is grappling with higher costs and a tighter labor market. As federal money dries up, those in the child care industry are calling for more support from state lawmakers. They're calling on Governor Gretchen Whitmer to provide supplemental funding to make up the gap. One of those providers is Nina Hodge, the owner of Above and Beyond Learning Child Care Center in Detroit. Hey, Nina. Thank you for having me today. I appreciate it. And another is Anna Fryer. She's the co-owner of Teddy Bear Daycare and Preschool, LLC. She has three centers around Traverse City. Anna, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Nina, give us a sense of what the child care landscape looks like in Detroit right now. How, how great would you see the demand is compared with supply of available uh, spaces and programs? So the demand is really is needed because we're, you know, Michigan's thriving, getting workers back to work. And so we need to have child care, even with companies, should always be the forethought when you open up even your business. Because without child care, the city or the country or the state of Michigan cannot thrive because you need child care for people can get back to work. So on my neck of the because me and Anna's from two different, she's up north and I'm lower down in the east side of Detroit. We just need the support because our funding is really dropping and uh, I have teachers and employees who want to work, but I can't give them babysit wages. I need to give them livable wages to make sure that they sustain in their household as well. Yeah. Is there much of a waiting list among the providers that you know right now, Nina? You know, it could be a waiting list in my particular area based on, but I can't get a lot of children in there if I don't have the help or the support. Right. And so a lot of people may not want to work in this industry. It does require a lot, whether it's training, whether, you know, your health, all that bending, squatting, all that around children. 
it's just so mindful that we just got to get some workers to come to work, but we can meet those uh, capacity numbers in our centers. Anna, what's going on in the Traverse City region? Is much of that ringing true in terms of the demand for spaces or, I guess, uh, demand for workers, as Nina put it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we certainly are seeing the demand at a very, very high rate, and, and it just continues to increase as people continue to move to our area. Um, the amount of staffing is certainly playing a huge role. Um, as you know, we live in a tourist area, and so wages here uh, will continue to go up to try to entice people to the area. However, with the cost of living and all of that, you know, trying to balance this all out is certainly not in our favor. We're finding that um, most places have a couple hundred to 300 children on their wait list, uh, primarily with the ages of zero to three. Um, the state's doing a fantastic job of taking care of four-year-olds. That's that's amazing. However, um, those kids in the first thousand days of their life, they're really starting to suffer due to that. Um, and, and much of it is because of lack of staffing. Nina, can you explain what was happening with pandemic relief funds and what that allowed you to do in the business? Um, we're very grateful for the relief funds that they've given us. Um, that was a federal uh, money that came down to us. And that money is spent out. So I don't really even dwell about that to move forward. The biggest thing is now we have a budget that we were not included in this budget. And now we're we asking for a supplemental um, bill for $160 million to help to subsidize um, clients, um, continue what we have, and also pay our um, our employees. When I was making $10 an hour, because they do a level system or rating system, now it's going down to $6 an hour. So where do you want to work at or where would you work at to make sure that you made that type of money? And then you have a 26% decrease in your funding. And we still have to thrive and survive knowing that inflation is going up, eggs is going up, milk is going up, and your employees' wages are going up. And we require so much from them, um, from this little funding. And so where I used to work at Chrysler, trained monkeys and robots can do the job. And with children, you can't bring a monkey in there or robots. You need nurturing, you need compassion, you need patience and everything. So I just believe this um, governor for this budget did not focus on the industry of child care from the six weeks always up to the three-year-olds. Anna, what was the pandemic relief money? What Can you tell us about the role that it played in your budget the past couple of years? I mean, could all three locations have stayed open without that? So again, uh, like Nina mentioned, we were very thankful for the, the funding that trickled down from the federal dollars. Um, however, the answer is no. Uh, we were in such a crunch due to regulations that were put in place from COVID and, and honestly from past as well. You know, we've we felt this um, struggle for years and years. Uh, but had we not received those funds, we absolutely would not be in business in at least two of our locations. Um, but in our area, I've actually heard multiple centers say that if there's not something that happens soon, they will shut down. And the fact that we're already in a childcare desert um, in this area, which I know much of Michigan is, um, it's going to have a very detrimental effect. And it's going to be a trickle down right down to the um, economic security with our families. We're going to see people leave the state of Michigan and all of that. It's, I think that that's what the governor forgets is that child care is the basis of our working families right now. There is not, it's not possible for one parent to be working currently as most everybody knows that. And so if we don't start doing this, we're going to see it continue to go downhill uh, right down to where people just leave. Anna and I have two different, different um, client base and I have to respect I'm on a subsidy. So my clients is from a subsidy base. And when I met Anna, 
she's like, look, we need support for parents in here and I need money here to pay my employees to keep this going up here in Travis City. So with me, I, I get my money from subsidy and my subsidy payments are gone down, which allows me to pay my teachers or the people, my cook or my janitorial at the same time. So we have to figure out a way even for Anna in Travis City, how do we help her parents out? And, and just because these people up here are making more money certainly doesn't mean that they don't have their own economic struggles. No matter what your income is at this point, we want people for our economic future of our state, then we need to support them. So this federal pandemic relief funding runs out at the end of this month, September 30th. Nina, what have you been doing to prepare for that moment? I am sending out massive emails because I'm going to have a meeting on Zoom to share with everybody we're going to have to go on strike. Anna's, her situation might be different because she has cash clients. For me, I will have to go on strike to let everybody and the governor know, like, this is a serious situation. And you didn't decrease your staff members, and but you decreased money for my staff. And for me to figure it out, it's unfair for my population that I serve. Because for me, for that population I serve, that means they have to suffer. That means, uh, did you really put us in business? So you gave us money to start opening and expanding business. But then you didn't set us up correctly, because if you did, you would make sure that we still continue to have some funding. I'm not looking for federal funding. She she created a budget and she should include us in that budget. And she chose not to. And I want to give one example. That's like Chrysler. I have a parent that works at Chrysler, and makes fifteen dollars an hour with five kids. I worked at Chrysler for thirty dollars an hour. The point I'm about to say is you're paying. We're paying wages that people can't even go out. And pay. So you're going to pay Chrysler workers. $15 an hour and they can't even afford the truck. That's the same thing for child care. You're giving me X amount of dollars or I'm only making a profit that I can only pay my employees so much and they can't even pay their livable wages for a car, house, rent, anything. There's no quality when you take fund funding away from us. Anna Fryer. Yeah, I have a staff member, actually, uh, two of them that work for me, uh, one of which is currently living in a tent uh, due to not being able to provide um, for her family uh, based on the wages that she's receiving in our area. She also pays a subsidy or she does receive some subsidy, but not 100 percent for child care. So she's currently living in a tent. One of my coworkers, who's a good friend of mine, unfortunately, cannot find housing. And it's the same thing. She's in my backyard right now. This should never be an afterthought, never. Um, we are business owners. We're not babysitters. This is a real industry that we are in. Uh, we have to make sure we have the training. We deal with the federal, we deal with state, we deal with our county. And so the thing that we're getting treated is if that inflation is not going up and you didn't consider us. Uh, without us, again, business wouldn't be where they are. That's the Stateside Podcast. I'm April Bear. When you're ready for more listening and more Michigan news, you can find full stateside episodes for streaming at michiganradio.org. Today's podcast episode was produced by April Van Buren and by Rachel Ishikawa. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Ronia Kabansag, and Mercedes Mejia. Our intern is Olivia Meradian. Our podcast editor is Rachel Ishikawa. Our executive producer is Laura Weber Davis. Music for the pod comes from Blue Dot Sessions and from Audio Network. Thanks for being here. We'll be back with you again tomorrow. Till then, bye-bye.